BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. This episode is brought to you in part by Noom. Forget one-size-fits-all diets. With Noom, you get a personalized weight loss plan that's tailored to your lifestyle. No food is off-limits. Enjoy your favorites while discovering healthier habits. Noom's users love the flexible approach, blending psychology and biology to help you lose weight in a way that's sustainable for you. And great news for foodies. Noom just released the Noom Kitchen Cookbook with 100 delicious, healthy recipes. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M. Com. Grab your copy of The Noom Kitchen wherever books are sold. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hi, everyone. It's Olivia Perez. I'm a journalist, entrepreneur, and the host of Friend of a Friend, a show where we get to sit down with some of my friends, your friends, and new friends to host inspiring conversations about building something from the ground up. If you follow me on Instagram, you know exactly who today's guests are. The four members of my favorite band, The Aces. Comprised of sisters Alyssa and Crystal Ramirez, Katie Henderson, and McKenna Petty, The Aces grew up in Provo, Utah, where they started the band in their early teens in Katie's garage. After one of their moms cold called a recording agent by finding his number on Google, they signed with Red Bull Records, where they released their debut album, When My Heart Felt Volcanic, and they just released their second studio album, Under My Influence, which came out last Friday. The album absolutely stole my heart. I didn't skip a single song. I've been dancing around to it in my apartment all weekend, and it is truly the joy that 2020 has needed so far, as are the girls. This episode is one of my favorites to date, because of how honest and real the girls are, not just to themselves, but to their voice and the impact that they want to have on their audience. There were so many giggles. We reminisced on our favorite girl bands like Paramore. And I got to witness the beautiful friendship the four girls have and how they've supported each other through their differences and come together through their desire to create music that tells their truth. So make sure you go stream Under My Influence. It's available everywhere now, wherever you get your music. And if you like this episode, don't forget to leave us a review. Let me know what you think. Just say hi, whatever you're feeling. Here are my friends, the Aces. For everybody tuning in right now, I am on a Zoom call four-way for the first time ever with the Aces, who I am a massive fan of. Since you all are kind of in different places right now, could you all introduce yourselves, say what you do within the band and where you are right now? I'm Crystal. I'm in Los Angeles, and I am the lead singer for the Aces. My name's Elisa. I'm also in Los Angeles, and I play drums for the Aces. I'm Katie. I play the guitar, and I'm in Orem, Utah. I'm McKenna, and I play the bass guitar, and I'm in Salt Lake City, Utah. So what was all of your individual experiences with music growing up? Like, what was playing in your house? Did you have a moment where you were like, you viscerally remember just falling in love with music as kids? Absolutely. Like thinking about that is so like nostalgic. For me and Crystal, it was like, since we're sisters, we always grew up, like we always say like, we had this crazy mission to start a band from the time we were just tiny, tiny, tiny. Like 
And for the first years when we were just little, we were always recruiting like any kid in the neighborhood to like be guitarist or to play whatever instrument, just be part of our band. Like that was just like, I love that. <laughs> we so, were testing out all the neighborhood boys. Like we were hiring, every firing like every friend we had. Like, he's not going to make it. He's just not good enough. Like, yeah. And I just, he's cut from the band. <laughs> yeah. It was honestly hilarious. How many people came and went through just our friend group. And then, but we were like six years old, so it wasn't a big deal. Yeah, we were really. Uh, I remember when I decided I wanted to play drums, and Crystal was always on the piano. My mom bringing home like this beat up little drum set that her friend's son didn't want anymore, and bringing it to me and being like, "I got you a drum set," and she just let me set it up right in the middle of the family room and right by the, like the piano, and we just MVP every mom. day, every every day. single day. I love that. Growing up, we had like, I know like for Elise and I, and then the girls' experience was like a little different. I think that that's what brings our music together in like a really unique way. But for Elise and I, we grew up listening to like a lot of Motown and disco and like 80s pop because our parents, like I feel like their whole thing about music has always been like, it it should like uplift you and make you feel good and make you want to dance. And our dad's Latin as well. So he like grew up dancing a lot. And so for us, like we'd wake up in the morning and like our parents put on like, the Pointer Sisters and like the Commodores and Michael Jackson and stuff that was like super beat driven and rhythmic and like just made you feel really good. And so I feel like that's where a lot of influence comes for us. And then we had an older brother who's like really into punk and metal. And so he was like always in bands and he was like vegan before it was cool to be vegan. And he was like letting chickens free in our neighbor's backyard, like <laughs> in our backyard. So he was like hardcore was punk. and like a total punk and, and really like I just like everything he did, I wanted to do. So I feel like that's what introduced me to like start to play guitar and, and sing is because he had guitars and like, like Jimi Hendrix posters and all this like stuff that I just thought was the coolest thing ever. Um, and that's kind of started our love for music mm-hmm. in our house. Mine is very similar to Crystal and Elisa's. My, my mom was a, like a concert pianist. And so music was wow. all in our house. We were trying to like learn how to play piano, but none of us like, unfortunately wanted to learn how to like read music, which I regret so much now, but it was so much a part of my life growing up. And my brothers were in a band together. I had one brother who was a really amazing piano player just by ear. And he was also a drummer. And then my oldest brother was a singer songwriter and they had a band together. And I just always wanted to be just like them. And I wanted to play guitar. And I started just playing my dad's old acoustic guitar that he had when he was like 16, but never really learned how to play it, but just always had it. And I started with that and I would just play every day. And all my friends were boys who could care less about being in a band, but I would just force them to be in my band. Like, Hey, you're going to play drums. You're going to play bass. Like this is going to be the band. And I was always like kicking people out and putting new people in and just like wanted a band. so bad. I love that. Like all of you. <laughs> I was so evil. Like I was like, I would just like kick them out of the band and like put someone else in. And then I also grew up just performing with my brother who played piano. He would write a lot of songs and I would just sing harmony with him which is something that I always loved to do and kind of thought that I would probably just do that because no one I knew wanted to like actually be in a band until I met McKenna in junior high and then like found out that they were in a band and we ended up playing later. But yeah, music was always such a big part of my life. I always knew it was something that I wanted to do and be a part of. But yeah, that's kind of my, my background. I grew up around music a lot too. My dad has eight siblings and like all of them, my aunts are all like singers and one owns like a 
record company and like ones in a band. So like I grew up being around that a lot and grew up listening to a lot of the stuff that my dad listened to, which was like Depeche Mode and New Order and The Cure and like a ton of alternative music. But I, I did like piano lessons growing up. Like everyone in Utah does piano lessons. It's like I a like course too. It's like the protocol. Like you all have to weirdly just like learn to play piano until you're like 12. And then you, if you rebel enough, then your mom stops making you go. That's exactly. Yeah. <laughs> it's like literally the protocol. Me and Crystal met like in kindergarten. We went to the same yeah. school. My mom taught Lisa in first grade. So we knew each other all throughout elementary school. And then in fifth grade is when we became really tight. And they asked me to get a bass for Christmas so that I could be like the permanent member. <laughs> you really took your influence far, guys. <laughs> it went from kicking people out of bands to tell your mom to get you a guitar so you can be part of my band. It literally yeah. was. I was like, listen, like all these boys are not cutting it. You're my best friend. So just like get a bass. Like, why wouldn't you be in my band? Like, I'm bored of these people. Like, but yeah. it's so interesting because like, I think about our childhood, so much music was around us, but no one was telling us to do it. Do you know what I mean? Like there was no one, we didn't have parents who like, were like, I'm a musician. So you should be a musician too. Or like, like our actual parent, like Katie's mom, like played piano and stuff and and is like amazing at it. But it wasn't like, she was like, Katie, now you're going to be a concert pianist too. So like, I don't know where that drive came from to like be in a band and be musical because like, it wasn't something that like, especially in our like really small conservative hometown was a popular thing to do at all because we all grew up really Mormon. And so it was like, piano was fun and stuff, but like outside of that box of like actually performing and, and playing like drums and guitar and all that stuff, like that wasn't something that was like encouraged thing really. There weren't a lot of girl bands that we were like trying to emulate or like girl bands that we were looking up to because there just weren't that many I mean, I think of like, oh my God, what girl bands do I think of from my childhood? Like the Pussycat Dolls? Like, yeah. Like, <laughs> and it's like, and unfortunately, I, I think what is so at least like attractive to me about you guys is it's like all those girl bands from the past felt like they were like literally cut and paste of each other, just like different years and different times. And they all had like the same mm-hmm. outfits and the same thing. And it's like, there was never any like diversity, one within the group, but also like, it didn't need to be so like picture perfect, like glam, femme, bot vibes. Like there was no one really that was like doing it for themselves. I saw that like one of your influences was Paramore and Haley Williams was like my first female icon when I was in middle school. But like, you know, the band was mostly guys and it was just her as the lead woman. And it's like that kind of started to break the mold a little bit, but like it was never truly there to have someone like her be like in a girl band and like have there be an opportunity for everybody in the band to like be unique and individual. Haley, a hundred percent, like Paramore's like literally a huge reason we're a band because like when I remember Kenna, intru- I think you introduced me to Paramore, Ken. Mm-hmm. To this day, over 10 years later, like Paramore is still just as important. I know to me and like our band as they were when we were like 13. So like, I remember Ken introducing me and literally on like our PC in our, in my basement, my mom's computer, us like looking up like crush, crush, crush and misery business and like... The music video for Misery Business was probably one of the most like iconic references of my childhood. Iconic. Iconic. And I remember us just sitting there and me like, that was a moment where I was like, I want to be her so bad. Like that like energy and that power that came from her as like a lead singer and like as a woman on stage like that, I was like, I had never seen anything like it before. And I think totally. that like, 
started a, like a major influence for our band and, and as like a lead singer as well. Haley Williams in that video when she's like smashing the guy's face, like with all the, <laughs> what was it, paint or whatever it was, was like my first vision of a woman at the front of a band or just like a woman in a position of power that was like unladylike. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Quote unquote, whatever we want to call that. But like just being her like badass self and like not worrying about like being prim and proper, which I think during our childhood was still at the peak of being like broken down because we're all pretty much the same age. Yeah. yeah. Oh my gosh. I think like to go with like the not ladylike kind of thing, like it's interesting you say that because I think there's a lot of like female singing groups, Spice Girls, Pussycat Dolls, but there's not really a lot of women playing instruments there's like a lot of pop singers, but there wasn't girls playing drums or guitars or doing that kind of thing. And Haley was so, just so different from all those people. You know what I mean? She kind of like really set that course, especially Mm -hmm. for our generation. So you guys all met somewhat in school. When was the moment that you were like, okay, like it's the four of us, we're doing it. Let's start a band. I think that it kind of happened. It happened so naturally. Like Katie, we all became really good friends because we went to like different schools in junior high, Kenna and I. Ken met Katie and we just all like our friend groups just merged and we just like started hanging out first. Even before we were like a band, we were really good friends, all of us. And then I remember there's like this hilarious story that we always like reminisce on, which, which was like one Friday night, we like went into Katie's basement. Like, I don't know how we ended up there. She's like, Oh, like my brothers are in a band. You guys are in a band. Like I have this band room and we're like, cool. And we went downstairs and she had like a decked out band room. Like it was crazy. decked out. Like <laughs> full on rehearsal. Like PA amps, like guitars. Like it was crazy. And I, I remember looking at Lisa and being like, who is, what is happening? Like, who is this girl? And why did we not know that she literally had a full blown studio? In and then house? on top of that, like we didn't know Katie played instruments at all at that point. She was just a friend. And then she picked up the guitar and like started shredding like way better than like a 13-year-old girl I could should ever. be able to play That's a guitar. That's all I'm saying. We were like, wow. <laughs> we're like, we have to start. Like, like, we have where to did she it. come from? And I remember kind of just being like, in my head, I was like, she has to be in our band. But like, I didn't want to like, come off too eager. So I was like, hey, like, do you want to play a show with us? Like, we should just like, try it out. And in my head, I'm like, no. Like, <gasps> oh my God. Like, in my head, locked, you know? Like, we finally found yep. the guitar player. Yeah. And then from then on, like, we just never didn't play show together. Like it almost was like this like weird agreement that we almost didn't even have to talk about. Our band has always felt like this sisterhood in like this like thing that was like part of our identities. Like it wasn't like we wanted to do a band to like get anywhere. We just did a band because like in our core as people, like just that's what we music. like to do. We just wanted to make music. We just wanted to hang out with our friends. And then it turned into this thing where like in our hometown, people were like, are you guys going to do this like for real professionally? And we were like, Oh, and I think we always wanted to, but that was a different conversation of like, okay, then, and we're not going to go to college and we're like really going to try to do this thing as like a full-time career. And that's where things kind of changed. And then we started really diving into like, what's our sound and what's management and what is a producer? And like, we literally hadn't recorded anything at that point besides like in our hometown, we didn't even know what a producer was. Like, we were just like, you track it, you record it, you put it out. Like, yeah, that's literally all we knew about the process at that point. So we really started discovering that when we decided, like, as we were graduating high school, that we really wanted to do this as like a career, you know? So you're now at the point, you're like a little bit past this point, but in choosing, okay, you're like, I'm not going to go to school. I'm going to pursue this full time. It must be really challenging to try and build something 
without maybe being close to or like in the proximity of where it exists. What went into putting yourselves out there, reaching out to producers, getting signed to Red Bull Records? Like what went into that for you guys since you didn't necessarily have connections in the industry at a young age? Yeah, definitely. It was kind of like the biggest thing I can think of is like, there was one moment where we were like working really, really hard. We'd gotten to like a local recording studio and we're trying to like make our first little like EP on our own. And we were talking to a guy named Scott Wiley that we worked with and he had a little bit of experience with like some bands that had come out of Utah, like Neon Trees and Imagine Dragons and like kind of some bands that had broken out and like had done really well. And he was like, hey, I know a lawyer named... Ed Shapiro, who's really, really good. You guys should get a lawyer if you want to do this professionally, which was probably the best advice ever. Like the first thing you recommended was a lawyer. I was like, okay, genius. And we were like, why genius. do we need a lawyer? We don't Yeah, we didn't contract. get it at the we time. Have... We were like, why would we need a lawyer? He's like, you should just talk to him. And so our mom, actually me and Crystal's mom, went on the internet, somehow found his personal cell phone number. I don't know how she got it. <laughs> but no one knows. somehow found his number. Honestly, like, we don't know how. I was like, I don't know how she found it, but she ended up calling him and we'd made like a little like hometown music video of, of this song we'd written and she just got on the phone <laughs> with him. He was like, first of all, how did you get my number? <laughs> She's like, honestly, I found it, but like my daughters are in a band with their friends and they're really amazing and I think you should check them out. And he was kind of like, super hesitant because like this is just like a weird call like I don't know <laughs> check this wow. out but she ended up like sending him this video we made for a song called I don't want to know and he called her back and was like I actually love this band I think they're awesome like I want to work with them and then it was kind of like him and he was like so experienced in the music industry like legend lawyer and he was like just kind of started introducing us like a ton of managers and like kind of started to help us building our team like right from yeah. there so it was like it was that one cold call that really like made the difference of just being like hometown, literally don't know anybody, don't have any connections to the entertainment business whatsoever to like just having yeah. this like awesome but it, team member. It built up. I think that for us, you know, the one thing that we always stand by and like I still to this day, like stand by no matter what you want to do is like everything is like a ripple effect. So like you have to build with what you have where you are to get anywhere. And I think that for us, we always like, we understood that. And we're like, okay, we aren't go. we can't go, we're not in LA. We don't have these connections, but we didn't grow up like with anybody who had real experience in the music industry. So we were like first generation musicians and entertainers. Mm -hmm. And so for us, it was like, okay, well, what can we, it was always like, came back to what can we do with what we have right now? And so it was like, okay, we're in our hometown and we need to build up, like, we need to get our hometown to be like so obsessed with us, right? Because then yeah. your hometown ripples out to like LA and New York. And then that ripples out to like the whole world, right? So that's kind of what's always our mentality. So we just built upon yeah. just stepping stones. And so yeah, we, years like, and years of like flyering our whole town with like to come to our latest concert and like literally messaging every single friend we had on Facebook to be like, please listen to our band. Please come to our show. Like that was like, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, I was just going to add, I will say that when we decided that we were going to do the band, the oh. first thing that we did is we set goals and we still have the paper that says like the band plan and we all signed it. And they were like short-term goals and long-term goals. We all signed it. You guys all signed it. I love that. And we couldn't afford to like record a nice record like we didn't have the money so we basically begged our parents for money and then told them that we would repay them by selling merch and playing shows and like we would 
And so we made that deal with them and then we got in the studio and we recorded and we did everything that we could do to get us in the position where we are now. You know what I mean? Like those little goals are like what set us to get in that studio with Scott to get the reference for Ed and to keep building. I love that. It's got to be a business plan. You guys all have to like be aligned on the same thing and make sure that you're all walking towards the same goal, especially as a group of four people. Did you know that the average American generates 82 pounds of textile waste each year, resulting in about 21 billion pounds of textile waste going into landfills each year in the U.S. alone? As someone who's always on the hunt for new vintage, I love finding unique destinations online that help mix up my wardrobe, but also help reduce my own textile waste. Quintage is a contemporary vintage brand dedicated to upcycling vintage clothing and materials to curate seasonal collections with a blend of vintage pieces and contemporary accessories. As a lifelong thrifter, Quintage founder Ursley Quinn was in college when the idea for the business came to her. During her college years, she would sell vintage clothing on Instagram and deliver them around campus to make money. And what used to give her so much shame due to the fact that she couldn't afford newer clothes has now gifted her a unique opportunity to help people find affordable, quality clothing. That's what Quintage is all about. Alchemy, renewal, transmutation, the principle of lemons to lemonade, utilizing what could be discarded and magnifying its value to reveal something new. Quintage is built on the belief that you can build on the past and forge a new future while preserving what is to come ahead through regeneration. Check out their incredible collection from vintage belt bags to tailored suits at quintage.com. That's Q-U-I-N-T-A-G-E.com. You guys just released new music and you have an album coming out, which is so exciting. I am so obsessed with the music that you just put out, but I would love to talk a little bit about how you guys feel it's pushing you in a new direction. But also like, I'm really just deep into it right now because I feel like there is so much... There's so much about loneliness and what you guys have just put out. And I'd love to talk a little bit about, one, how you feel that your new music is pushing you in a new direction, but also what you're trying to say through those songs yeah. that might be emblematic of the time that we're in. And I also feel like I just put words in your mouth because no. it might not be a lot about loneliness, <laughs> nope. but I felt that. So <laughs> I'm going to let you guys take it from here. <laughs> it so is. I think that this new this new record is like, we really paid attention to the way that we laid out the songs in the order of them, because it really does tell that story. I think that so many of us as like young adults and like discovering who you are, like there's so much loneliness in that, you know, like, and there's times where it's like miserably lonely and you are like, just, you know, trying to ground yourself and trying to figure things out. And I think that we really wanted to, to tell those stories and like how you, how you go through that. And I think with like, my phone is trying to kill me, which is a song that just came out. It's also like we're living in a generation where like our perception of reality is like so skewed by social media. A hundred percent. And everybody feels that. And like, I don't feel like we talk about it enough in music. You know what I mean? Like we don't talk about like what's going on with like how literally you can like feel like your day can get ruined if someone leaves you on red. Like literally you can be like so annoyed and like it taints your day. I can be annoyed by like an Instagram or like just a news alert yeah, on my phone. Yeah. It's like mm-hmm. a powerful emotional response. And so when it has so much control over you, your phone. If you guys have not listened to their new single, my phone's trying to kill me. It's 
amazing. And especially right now in the time of quarantine where I am literally on my phone for apparently, according to my cell phone, seven hours a day, I feel like my phone's actually trying to kill me. So yeah, <laughs> it's insane. Like, it's so crazy how these like little devices, you know, they're like our whole lives and our whole window into other people's lives. And so we kind of want to explore that. And then you have a song like Los Angeles, which is about when like a city gets really tainted for you and ruined because you go through stuff in that city. And that could be New York. That could be your hometown. Like when you get your heart broken somewhere, like that city for a minute is like, it's not fun, you know? Cause like everything reminds you of what happened or, or who that person was. And so that kind of explores that and kind of wanting feel like coming from a small town and like wanting to go home and feeling really defeated. And then daydream, which is like a little bit sweeter, but it's about being away from people and about that kind of we're so sad. Oh my god! Oh my god. <laughs> no, yes, but no, in the sense that, like, don't forget that, like, ninety percent of the world probably feels a lot of those feelings and might not talk about it. So, kudos to you guys for vocalizing something that a lot of people might not know how to vocalize. But, like, also, who the fuck isn't lonely yeah. right now? We're in yeah, quarantine. Exactly. Like, it's important to let people know that it's okay to feel the way we feel right now. And like, that's going to exist past quarantine in your songs, but like particularly right now, like it's going to strike a chord. Yeah. Yeah. How do you guys all feel that this album is different or an evolution for you guys? In so many ways. So many ways. It feels, we've definitely, the Aces have gone to a new place on this record. Like, I think we, and we really wanted to do that. Like we wanted to show our fans that like, we're never going to make the same record twice. It's like a big thing that we wanted to do. And So we weren't afraid to like sonically go to a lot of different places and also lyrically talk about things we've never talked about before, be more candid than we've ever been before. So it's like an exploration of a lot of new things Mm -hmm. all at once for this record. I think that we're just like, all of the songs feel like journal entries. Like we're talking like really, really candidly about our relationships. For the first time we're talking about same sex relationships, you know, half of us are queer and really not censoring the like that at all. Things that like, you go through as an adult and and relationships and the maturity of that. I think for the first time, our first record, of course, I love it so much, but I think lyrically was like a lot vaguer than this record. Mm -hmm. I'm in a lot more up for interpretation. And I think that was just from being young and trying to discover who we are and what we wanted to say and like where our our voices were. It's very different. Like what you're willing to say or even know how to say when you're like 16, 17 versus like 22 and 24 writing. So Totally. You're evolved so differently as a person. Yeah, Yeah. you've been through so much more. So I think it's just like, for us on this record, I think it's such a, it's so much growth and so much maturation. I remember specific times being like, at least, I don't know if I can say that. Like that's a little too close. And she was like, you have to, because if it makes you nervous to say it, Mm -hmm. it's something that's like really going to resonate with somebody because it it needs to be said. It needs to be said and you need to get it out because these are like your deep emotions that like so many people have also gone through and like might just not have words for and you have to say it. Like as an artist, Mm -hmm. we really feel like it's our job to say, say that shit, to get it on paper because like that's what really resonates with people and what really heals and like connects with people. Is this true that this album is the first time you guys are using pronouns? Yeah, Mm -hmm. Yeah. it is. Yeah, and, and that wasn't necessarily like like a super, super conscious choice on the last I feel like it was. I mean, I feel like it very much was. Here's my thing. I just think that like, I definitely think that there was, part of it was conscious because I feel like we, in a way, weren't ready. And I also feel like 
it was our first record. And like there, there were, you know, like there yeah. is hesitation in the industry to be like, are you sure? Are you sure you want to go there? Because that yeah. can niche you. Yeah. That's going to niche you as a gay yeah. artist. And like, especially as women, you know, like I feel like we're getting to a point now where you see like mm-hmm. Sam Smith and you see men doing it. But for women, it's still like a thin ice thing where people yeah. are nervous. They don't want you to niche yourself. And I think yeah. that we were really young at the time too and kind of like, mm, we don't know if we want to put ourselves out there like that mm-hmm. yet. And so I, I kind of go back and forth whether yeah. it was like, I mean, no one was being like, you can't, but there was kind of this energy, right? And, and yeah, also energetically like, like, you can't. Like, you shouldn't, you shouldn't think about it, hesitate about it type thing. And then there was also another side to it where it's like, yeah, like Kristen said before, only half of us identify as queer. So like, we do want to speak as like the full band and like, make sure that we are making music that's inclusive of everybody and not just like ourselves. And our experience. So that was like part of it as well. But on this record, we kind of just got to this point where it's like, if we continue to censor in this way, it's going to become untruthful and we're going to be doing a disservice to our art and a disservice to our listeners because there's a lot of people that need this voice. And I think we need to use our voice for our truth, you know, and, and in, for the other people that need to hear it. I remember when I discovered like Tegan and Sarah for the first time, it's like a 17 year old in a suburb in Utah that changed my life. Like that gave me this idea that like I could be successful. I could be queer. Like I could be all these things that I wanted to be and be gay. And I think there's so many people in the majority of the world is still so homophobic and still so like non-accepting. And there's so many kids who need that voice. And I think, you know, when we were writing this record, we just naturally started using like on our demos, we were just using pronouns and just Mm -hmm. like talking about our, you know, experiences and like writing lyrics. And I remember like, Elisa and I were driving to Malibu and I was like, Elise, our mom was in the car with us actually. And she was like, so you guys are going to use pronouns like in your music. And we kind of looked at each other because we hadn't even talked about it yet. It just was there in our demos. And I was like, yeah, I, I guess we are. And I looked at Elisa and I was like, what do you think though? I guess we should talk about this. And then we should talk to the girls about it and how they feel. And Elisa was just like, dude, like if we don't, it's going to start becoming like we're lying. And I was like, it just struck me so hard when she said that. And I was like, you're so right. Like to think of going into these demos and removing the pronouns at this point feels like we are actively censoring It's like you're ourselves. like subscribing to a terrible thing. Right. You're subscribing to the idea that you won't sell if you are gay. You're subscribing to all these gnarly ideas and problems that have been thrown at you by doing that by like kind of like bending and like taking out the pronouns and trying to make it seem like it could be hetero and make it seem like it could be more marketable or whatever. That's like not, you're, you know, you're kind of going against everything. And and these songs are for, for like, of course, for everybody, because they're songs about relationships and experiences, but we just felt it was important for us to like lyrically say, tell the truth of these stories. But like, I mean, sending, there's like a song on the record called Kelly and like sending that to Kenna and Kenna's not gay. And she was like, oh my gosh, I like totally know how you feel. That's like, I, I get it. Like, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Even just like trying to be the best ally that I can be like, that doesn't feel right to like expect that of you guys to do that. Like that feels like taking a step backwards to me. Too. And the girls were so sweet. And yeah. so like, it wasn't even a discussion. And that's what I love about our band so much is like, 
we really just try to give each other the space to be ourselves and like communicate. And I, I remember like Ken and Katie being like, you guys, yeah, of course you have to express yourselves. Like there was just like so much trust there as well. Cause it has been a big step for us to be like, okay, like we are going to outwardly say this and not that we haven't been out because in the, in the public and to our friends and people, yeah. people know, but we never put it in, but we never put it in music. Piggybacking everything we just talked about, the fact that you guys are all from a very conservative town, like probably one of the most conservatives yeah. in the U.S. to my knowledge. How have all four of you navigated living in your truth and speaking your truth and being advocates for other, being allies for the people that you love and bringing that back to your hometown? Yeah, yeah. it's been crazy. It's I love this question because like don't get asked it a lot, honestly, but it's, it's been a really cool journey. I think all four of us have had really different experiences from, with being from Utah and being raised LDS and stuff. But I think it has been amazing for us to be able to, like what you were saying, kind of like show that in our hometown that like, it doesn't matter. You can do what you want. You can, you know, half of us are gay, half of us are, and we can all still be friends and we can all still be like doing this together and everything that comes with like growing up in Utah. It's like such a, I feel like a lot of people have gone through it. We have this one song called 801 on the record that like talks about being from Utah. Yeah. And that's the, is that the zip code? The area code. Yeah. Cool. The area code. Sorry. It talks about being from Utah and kind of the experience of being raised in a place where, where there's like a really strict mold and you didn't fit into that mold. You know what I mean? And kind of having to like defy everyone around you and everything that you were told growing up. And every time we play that for people from all over the world, they're like, oh my gosh, I relate to that so much. Because I think we've grown up in most societies, there's like a kind of like a one size fits all notion. I feel like everyone at some point in their life has been told like, you're supposed to do this. You're supposed to look this way. You're supposed to act this way. And we all have our own ways of like defying that and breaking out of that because no one is the same and no one wants to fit a mold. And so I think it's like, been really interesting to see how how many different types of people have been able to relate to 801 that song that talks about that experience and, and talks about it in like a pretty specific way to us in religion mm-hmm. that extends even past that you mm-hmm. know and it was really interesting growing up in in our hometown as well because I think that our band was like really cute until it was like, oh, but you're not going to go to college. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, oh. And that's when it got not cute. And then it was not cute anymore. And it was like, oh, this is such a cute thing. You're in a band. And then we were like, no, like we're in a band. And like we actually, this is our career. And this is what we want our careers to be. There was a lot of pushback from like, not specifically from our families, which is so so lucky. Like we have really supportive mm-hmm. families and our, our parents were always like, you can do whatever you want and really believed in us from a young age. So that was so key, like our, our immediate families. But I remember like extended family and like grandparents the culture, and like, the culture and like also from like school, yeah. like teachers and stuff kind of not understanding what we were doing. And especially as women, like I remember, you know, friends of mine being like, well, like, when are you going to get married though? Like, when are you going to have kids? Because like our, where we come from specifically. Yeah, very conservative. You get married when you're like. Yeah, I was just about to ask, like, can you kind of give us like a one minute brief on what it's like to grow up where you grew up? Yeah, so it's LDS, so it's Mormon. So everybody, you know, in our hometown, everyone's Mormon. Like if you're not Mormon, you're, you're kind of the odd one out, which is so interesting when I think about it. Like if you're not religious, it's kind of like, oh, and there's a lot of like judgment about that and kind of like, oh, they just need to be like led to the right way of life. Like there's just a lot of that. And there's also obviously it's very homophobic. 
don't drink, don't smoke, no premarital sex. Like it's really, really strict in those ways, but that's how we all grew up. So like in high school, I actually got to really love this. So I think back on it, but like no one was partied, no one was drinking alcohol. And if you were, it was way on the down Super low. Down. Like we were literally like making brownies yeah. and watching movies. Like when we were like, we were like, <laughs> come to our show this Friday night and everyone would come because you're not doing anything else. Yeah. Yeah, so it was, it was really in then church every Sunday and then church activities throughout the week. And a lot of your friends you made through church. And like, it was all very, very religious based. And you could always trust that like, oh, this person also has like my same belief system and this person is like Mormon. And so when we started like doing our band and, and doing all of that, like, and, and then wanting to take it into like a full blown career, yeah, the pushback to be like, well, and, and also in the society for women specifically, you get married when you're like 21 usually, and you start having kids like right away. Mm-hmm. And that's like the way, like yeah. once you get out of high school, you can go to college, but like you're looking for a husband. Yeah. Like that's the way it works. Most of my friends from high school are married and do have at least one kid. Right? Every single one of my friends from high school is married and has, yeah. has children. So like, it's so crazy. Like we just really didn't want to do that. We wanted to go and do music. And so the question was always kind of like, but what do you mean? Like, what do you mean? You're not going to be married. What do you mean? You're not looking for a husband. What do, what do you mean? You know, like all these things, things have been really interesting, you know, for us obviously as like as queer women, like we really pushed against that mm-hmm. because also on top of all of it, we were like, we're <laughs> gay too. Like this makes no sense for us. You know? But Ken's experience is like, been really interesting and different as well. Yeah, I'm married and I am still part of the religion. Like, even though I, I like struggle with like a lot of the, especially like the cultural things and like really want to like break free. And I think like being in the band and like touring the world and like having my close relationship with like Chris and Lisa too has like really helped me with that. But yeah, I feel I've felt, I love our song 801 because I've like felt a lot of the cultural pressures being from here and even still being a part of the religion, I'm like pretty different than like a lot of people who are, especially as a woman. Like I dated my husband for three years before we got married. I'm like touring all the time, like away from home and don't plan on having kids for a while. And like, am wanting, I have all these goals and like want to do all these things. So I like for sure felt that and can like really relate to that song, even though like I didn't have that extra Thing that they dealt with which was being queer in this society which is super hard to be in just like even not having to deal with that I think there's like pros and cons right like there's like a obviously like a lot of cons but I think we often talk about how the way we were raised is a big reason why we can like get along so well and why we just have like a deep trust in each other I think there's a lot of things about the way we grew up that are really good like I'm really grateful I didn't necessarily I wasn't around alcohol growing up or I wasn't around different things growing up because I just focused on so many other things that I think were very grounding and we're very grounded in that way and then there's like the cons of like the judgment and a lot of other things but I think there's some things that we are like glad that we had growing up if that makes sense totally but you guys have a shared foundation exactly it's been so cool how we've all kind of like formed our own, our own lives and our own identities part of each other, but still so side of that, like so much the same. And I, and I, I think like, I think it's so amazing to see someone like Kenna who like is still practicing the faith and did get married, but like, isn't doing it in this way she was told to do it. And it's not like interfering with her 
dreams and desires. And I think that like, that's so, so important to see. And like, I feel so inspired by like Kenna and by Katie and by Elisa and like the way we have like chosen to not let that like hold us back from what we want to do, but done it in our own ways. My life experience is so different than Kenna's, but like we're both defying those norms in our, in the ways that like are unique to us. And I don't know. I just feel really inspired by like seeing that courage. I have so much admiration for you guys. So thank you for sharing that with us because I'm sure it must be really challenging to be in a place that you might not necessarily want to live the life fully and you have dreams and aspirations and you want to follow them and continue on with them, but you want to do it your way. It's really cool what you guys do. Thank you so much. That's so nice. Really, really cool. What advice do you guys have for people that don't really feel like they fit in somewhere, but really want to put themselves out there and create for the world. Cause I feel like those are two very different things, two conflicting emotions. I was actually just thinking this and like, I think the reason I could like keep pushing forward and the reason I could keep putting myself out there is because like, even though I, this community around me didn't understand me and I felt like I was hiding a lot of myself, the girls were like my safe space. Like I could go to them and like just play music and express myself. And even though like, you know, I maybe wasn't out to them at that point or anything. And even outside of queerness, just like feeling like I didn't fit this religious mold. I had them. And I feel like it's so important to cultivate like a community around you of people that really love you and get you. And they're, they're there, you know, like just because maybe your family or like what you were born into doesn't understand you for whatever reason that might be, you can cultivate a community and a thing and a passion that you love so much that gives you life. And that's for me what the ACEs is. Like the ACEs, like no matter what I was going through, like that was my backbone and foundation and my best friends and and my support system, you know? So find those people, like they're there and they feel like you too. And like make that little power group, whether that's a band or whether that's like just your best friends who you hang out with every day, because I think a lot of people feel exactly like you and you just have to you just got to find your people you know sorry guys i started crying on the zoom i always feel weird when people feel sorry for crying because i think it's an important it's like it takes a lot to get to a place where you can emote something and let it out and i always i hate seeing people hold back tears i know it hurts it physically hurts number one and two it's like if you can get if your body if your body's letting you get to the place where you can let it out like let it out you're, Again, you're, you're like, you're with your friends. I'm not here. You're with your friends who love and support you. You are. <laughs> thanks. No, thanks. I appreciate you guys. Thank you. On a more positive note, half positive, half not positive, but I wonder what it's like creating in the time of coronavirus. But I also, I am fucking obsessed with what you guys are doing on Instagram. They have a digital wellness tour going on right now where each of them brings something different to the table. And whether it's like yoga and meditation, it's just, it's so great. And I'm wondering if you could tell everybody about it so we can tune in and tell us where to find it and what you guys have planned for it during this really, really challenging time. Yes, the digital wellness tour. (laughs) We're, We're so passionate about wellness. Like that's a really big part of our band as well. We all grew up in Utah. So like the outdoors are a big thing to us. We hiked a lot. We played sports growing up, all those things. And as we've like become adults and stuff and touring can really take it out of you. And like being a musician in general is just like a really taxing job. And so we started to try to like find ways to just like ground ourselves. We started meditating a lot. Ken's super into yoga, Mm -hmm. Katie and Elise and I, like we all exercise a lot. So 
for us, it's like a big part of our lives and it makes us really happy mm-hmm. and helps us, you know, yeah. be healthy. So we're like, you know what, during this time, of course, we're going to be putting out music, but we also want to encourage our fans and people who follow us yeah. to like really take care of themselves yeah. because it Especially can- Especially like being aware of like this time. I think this being quarantined and being isolated, it's going to be so easy for like people that struggle with mental health to slip into- dark yeah. places. So for us, it was like for any of our fans that are feeling that way, or even ourselves, like, let's just try to share what we know about like, you know, staying well and like trying to make the days a little easier and stuff and just share like our favorite meditation, our favorite yoga routine, our favorite yeah. hit workout, like whatever it is, our favorite health meal, and just try to inspire people to like, I don't know, just take like care of themselves. take care of themselves during yeah. this time. So we started out with just doing us, like I did a meditation, Elisa mm-hmm. did yoga, yoga, Ken did a cooking class and then Katie did like a hit workout. I love it. It's so cool. It's so cute. Thank you for using your platform during this time to let people know that it's okay if they're not feeling okay. Because I think that's really important. And cultivating a community around feeling good. That's awesome. Thank you. Totally. Thank you so much. Of course. I'm so appreciative for you guys coming on today. Make sure you look out for their album. Thank you all four of you for coming on and sharing and being so vulnerable. It is always like the biggest honor for me when I get people on the show who feel comfortable to open up and share their story. So thank you. Thank you. Thank Thank you so much. much. This was seriously the highlight. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of Friend of a Friend. Before you go, make sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and at tiermedia.com. And for more behind the scenes of the show, visit us at friendofafriend.us and follow me at Liv Perez on Instagram. Don't forget the two Bs. See you next week.